Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 6. Hold your Bibles open, if you would, please. 2 Corinthians, chapter 6. We're going to read there together in just a moment. Uh, we'll read beginning with verse 3. And I'm glad, I'm glad you're here. I'm just glad you're here. There's a great blessing to being together, great privilege to be able to worship together. And if you're watching online or you're here later on the radio, we're glad for that too. But there's something powerful about that connection together. God made us for fellowship. And we need each other, and we, are, we do best when we uh, are together and able to worship together and learn together, grow together, and I'm thankful for that, and you're well-rested today. It's a, it's, I love that. It, uh, you will want to rush home right after the service is over so you can get home before it gets dark, but it's a great day to be here otherwise. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, or chapter 6, rather. Some, some years ago, I'm calling this message to my children, and the passage that we're going to read ends with Paul saying, I speak as to my children, and he really has that connection. Years ago, I read um, a book by a Presbyterian uh, pastor named Charlie Shedd. He wrote a book, Letters to Philip, and letters, then another one, Letters to Karen, and it was letters to his kids as they were preparing for marriage. And he just gave kind of some fatherly advice, some spiritual advice and guidance about thinking about marriage. And Paul, in a sense here, it's not just like, he's not just writing to a, the church at Corinth in a generality, but he cares about them. And we become family in Christ, and, and that matters, and there's a power to that relationship together. And so he talks to them in many ways like a parent might talk to a child, like someone who cares deeply about another. So let's uh, read this passage together. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 3. The Bible says, We are not giving anyone an occasion for offense, so that the ministry will not be blamed. Instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything, by great endurance, by afflictions, by hardships, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet recognized, as dying yet see we live, as being disciplined yet not killed, as grieving yet always rejoicing, as poor yet enriching many, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our hearts have been opened wide. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding your affection, yours from us. I speak as to my children, as a proper response, open your heart to us. Well, here's the principle I want you to note this morning. You show love by what you do for others. You show love by what you do for others. And I want to talk with you this morning about four ways we show love. We're to show love four ways the Bible teaches us about showing love to others. And Paul, as he's talking to the church at Corinth, to these Corinthians, he's talking to them about how they can show love. Let's note these four principles together. Principle number one, show love by sacrifice. Would you write that down on your notes? Show love by sacrifice. And verses three and following talk about the sacrifice that is a part of love. The Bible says in verse three, we're not giving anyone enough an occasion for offense so that the ministry will not be blamed. And notice the verse 4 starts by saying, instead as God's ministers, you may remember that we've talked recently about how 
all of us who name the name of Christ are to be involved in ministry. We're to serve in the Lord's name. God puts us together for a reason. God wants us to be involved in ministry. And Paul says in verse 4, we commend ourselves in everything as a minister. And he's kind of talking here about how he's showing love. And he mentions it in several ways. Let's note them in verse 4. By great endurance, Paul felt like quitting. If you've ever felt like quitting, you're in good company. But he stayed at it. By afflictions, have you ever had an affliction? Well, Paul knew something about afflictions. In fact, because of ministry, he was afflicted. By hardships, it's sort of like taking an affliction and doubling it. And some of you have gone through hard times. And Paul is saying, I've ministered even in hardships. By difficulties, ministry's not always easy. And sometimes in difficulties, he served. He said, by beatings, verse 5. Now we're getting to it. Paul got beaten with whips, got beaten with rocks, but got beaten with fists for the cause of Christ. By imprisonments, he spent time incarcerated because he was following the Lord. And God would even use that as a means by which he would write some of the letters of the, of the uh, New Testament. By riots, you may remember in the book of Acts, the Bible telling about a time when a city rioted because Paul was in danger of leading them for, uh, to lose their livelihood because they were making idols and that was a big part of their economy. And so rioting took place by labors, he said. He's talking here about hard work, work that's not just like pleasant and easy, but sometimes very difficult. By sleepless nights, like a mother of a newborn. I mean, Paul said sometimes I just had to, I can get sleep and by times of hunger, sometimes by choice and fasting and sometimes by necessity. And he sacrificed. And he showed his love by sacrifice. Can I just tell you, Jesus demonstrate, he demonstrates his love to us by sacrifice. How do you know Jesus loves you? Have you ever wondered, how would you know Jesus really cares about you? The demonstration of his love is not just his words, but what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. Jesus died on the cross for you. If you ever wonder if he loves you, he died for your sins. He took your sins, the penalty for your sins upon himself, and he died in your place. If you ever wonder if he loves you, Jesus died in your place, and he demonstrated that love by his sacrifice. If you don't know him as Savior, I'm praying today you would give your life to Christ. Trust him as Savior. Christ loves you so much in response to that love. I'm praying today you'd trust him as Savior and follow him as Lord. Sacrifice is always a part of love. When we love, there's a sacrifice involved in love. Let's note a few things about sacrifice. First of all, sacrifice means we think of others. Paul says in verse 3, we're not giving any occasion for offense. He's saying, I'm thinking about you and not just myself. I'm thinking about you. That's what love does. Years ago, I was at a meeting for pastors. and I was a young pastor then, and an older pastor said, just in the course of conversation, he said, what does your, he just asked the question, what does your wife want to do on her day off, on your day off? What does she want to do? I'd always thought about what I wanted to do on my day off. And I hadn't really thought much about what she wanted to do. And he said, what does she want to do? And I started thinking differently because, you know, that wasn't how I typically thought. It doesn't take any work for me to think of me. I don't have to have any special effort. I don't have to call a meeting to think of me. That comes really naturally and easily. And I said, what if I thought about her and thought about things we, that she might want to do? And 
So it made a, a long practice of doing things together. Now, we, we do some things apart. She doesn't like hunting in the same way I do, and there's some things she does that I don't do. But, man, we learned to do some things together. And I began to kind of change how I was thinking instead of just thinking of myself, thinking of others. And there's a power to that. You want a healthy marriage? You think of others. You think of your spouse and not just you. You want healthy friendships? You learn to think of others instead of just yourself. Now, you, you just watch, if you're not careful, how often you're thinking about you in your friendships, in your relationships, in your family. But sacrifice means we're thinking of others and not just ourselves. And it's a hard thing because we think of ourselves so easily. But love is shown by sacrifice and we think of others. And it means we make servanthood prominent in our lives. We make it prominent in our lives. Servanthood, being a servant, ought to be a part of the DNA of what it means to be a believer. We ought to have that as a part of our spiritual DNA, that I'm not here just to be served, but to serve. And I'm going to think about that. I'm going to think about service. I'm going to think about sacrifice and about giving and not just about myself in every part of my life. Some of you who are thinking about marriage, if you're not willing to serve you're not ready for marriage. You're not, you're, you're not headed to the kind of marriage God wants you to have. Because marriage means I'm going to serve, not just be served. Friendships, you want to have friendships? You make it about serving, not just being served, but serving others. And dare I say church? If you want the church to be what God wants it to be, then it will be about serving and not just being served. It will be about giving and not just what do I get from it. And very often we think the wrong way when it comes to this and just what's in it for me. Paul talked here about ministry in verse 3. He said the ministry, he cared about the ministry not being blamed. And in verse 4 he said as God's ministers, ministry is all about serving. And God cares deeply about serving. I was thinking this morning again about how thankful I am for the people who serve in our church. And we have a small army of people who serve in our kids life ministry and with our children and with our preschoolers and there's not a lot of glory in that ministry they don't get a lot of recognition but man i love the spirit of service in that ministry i love the people we depend so much on the people who every week serve in those areas and and some who serve every other week or once a month and help with preschoolers and it really ought to be a part of the kind of expectation we're saying of our church we're going to receive benefit but we're going to give benefit back and certainly we are thankful for the things we get but we want to give and we want to think of service as an area of giving and i'm thankful that people think that way because much of our world does not but those of us who name the name of christ service becomes a part of how we think it's a part of the expectation of who we are and what we do and what we're about and I am so thankful for people like you who are willing to serve. And maybe you don't have a direct interest. Some of you are parents and you serve and man, God bless you. And some of you, it's not your children that you're, that you're uh, serving, but God uses your, servants, your service for his glory. And all of us have ministry to be involved in. All of us have service to be a, to be a part of our life. And if you, want, if you want to make your life miserable in your Christian life, you just make your Christian life miserable your church life about you. Just make it what you get, what you like, what you want. And you will find a self-centered Christianity is a very dissatisfying Christianity. It's a very dissatisfying Christianity. God made you for something more. And the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. To give his life a ransom for many. 
I want you to have that the, as the heart of what you're about. And then sacrifice means we do hard things for others. And verse 4 and 5 are just a list of hard things Paul did. Endurance and afflictions and hardships and difficulties and beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless night, times of hunger. Boy, it sounds like, a, sounds like an easy life, huh? I mean, that sounds glamorous to be in Paul's shoes. But Paul said, I'm going to love, and if I'm really going to love, that means I'm going to have to sacrifice. I'm going to love, and if I'm really going to love, that means I'm going to have to give. It's going to be some difficulty. I'm going to do hard things for the benefit of others. I read with some dismay this week about a missionary who was murdered, leaving behind a family, a young family. And I thought about a missionary who'd leave the comforts of the United States and the poorest among us are rich in this country. If you've been on a mission trip or you've been to other parts of the world, you may see, man, we are just the poorest among us rich in comparison to much of the world. Someone who would leave the com- who leaves the comfort of this country to go to another a place impoverished, spiritually impoverished even more. Who goes to sacrifice and to do hard things like that? To face the dangers and the difficulties. That's what love does. Love does that. Love says I'm willing to sacrifice. Love says I'm willing to do hard things. Love says I'm going to think of others and not just myself. Love says, I'm going, to, I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do, even though it might cause sacrifice. I'm going to serve instead of being served. And I tell you, your, your role in the Christian life may not be to be a career missionary, but your role in the Christian life will always be to sacrifice. Because that is the heart, it's at the heart of what love is about. And when you love, when you love, you're willing to do the hard things. And when you love, you're willing to think of others. And when you love, you're willing to make servanthood prominent to give it a prominent place in your life. There's a second principle I'd like you to note. Would you write this down? You show love with sincerity. Show love with sincerity. And let's go to verses 6 and 7. We're just going to see a continuing list of what love is like and what it does. And let's see this description. Paul's describing his ministry, how he commends himself as a minister. Let's go to verse 6. He says, by purity, not just you know part love and something else, but purity. Holiness in life. We sang about holiness. Holiness will always matter to God. By knowledge. Paul's saying, I wanted to learn and grow and understand so that I can teach, so that I can tell the truth, so that I can help. I am so thankful for our life. We have life groups for not just preschoolers and children, but all the way through adults. And I love life group teachers studying and learning and preparing, not just waiting till the last minute to throw a lesson together, but really studying and grappling with the text because they want to know I love to see people who are continuing to learn, Christians who are reading the Bible for themselves and who are studying and learning and growing. I love that. Knowledge is one of the ways by which we uh, minister to others, and it's one of the ways we can love them best. Verse 6 says, by patience. We're in the fast food culture. We want everything now. But sometimes some of the best things in life don't happen quickly. Godliness Becoming a man or woman of God will not happen overnight. A commitment can be made in a moment, but the process of sanctification is a lifelong process, and God wants us to gain patience. Sometimes we're just going to have to trust Him at a slower pace than we might have thought. God 
blesses us sometimes by our patience. And then it says by kindness. Kindness will always matter. Did you know, I bet you didn't know this, did you know you can be kind to people with whom you disagree? Did you know you can tell the truth and still be kind doing it? Did you know that? Did you know you don't have to make everyone an enemy, even people with whom you disagree? You can choose to be kind even when people are wrong. We don't have to compromise the truth to be kind, but we can be kind with people, uh, with two, two people with whom we disagree. And the Bible says we're Ministry is to be by the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 6, by the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, God is, He has always been one God with three ways of being. He's always been Father and Son and Holy Spirit for eternity. That's who God is. And God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us as believers. God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. He empowers us and strengthens us and convicts us and enables us and works through us to accomplish His purposes. And God, the Holy Spirit, will work through you. And we can trust him to do his work. Verse 6 says, by sincere love. The Bible talks often about genuine love, real love, love without hypocrisy. Verse 7 says, by the word of truth. We say we're a Bible-based church. We want to base on the truth, not just the culture, not just what's easy, not what just is popular, but let's follow the truth. By the power of God, verse 7 says. Notice it's something more. We want something more in our church than just the cleverness of some program or the ability of some pastor. We want the power of God. We want to be able to say that is God at work, not just, not just us, not just our abilities or talents or programs, but God at work. And then it ends by saying, verse 7 ends by saying, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. So are these weapons in God's service. It's righteousness, right living. It's like it's doubled up in each hand. And God uses our right living, our righteousness, a right actions with a right attitude to accomplish his purposes. And it's a powerful, these are powerful weapons. Righteousness is a powerful weapon. In your job, people are looking at you in a righteous, godly life, the right action with the right motives, powerful weapon. In your school, a righteous life, right actions and right attitudes and motives, and a powerful weapon in the hands of God. And the Bible's reminding us that love is to be sincere. You might write it like this. Love others like the Lord loves you. Love others like the Lord loves you. God's love for you is genuine. There's nothing fake at all about God's love. I mean, He loves you. Let your love be genuine. God's love is constant. You don't have to do anything more to be loved. God chooses to love. Love others like the Lord loves you. Michigan has had some uh, water problems in the last few years, especially Flint, Michigan, had problems with some of the drinking water, had lead in it. And now there's a, a town called Benton Harbor that's had lead. They, they get the water from, the, from Lake Michigan, and that water is fine when purified, but they have a problem because of the infrastructure. Many of the pipes are, have lead. And so some of that lead leaches into the water. Now, it's mostly water. You know, it's primarily hydrogen and oxygen combined in the right formula to make water but there's just you say it's just a little bit what's the big deal a little bit of lead doesn't take doesn't take a lot of lead to cause uh, lead poisoning i mean it doesn't cause it doesn't take a lot of poison to poison us there's something about purity and when it comes to water we want our drinking water we we kind of like it to be uh pretty doggone pure and there's something powerful about love when it's pure
It's not just the love that, you know, you smile on the outside, you know, look fine on the outside. It's talking about the heart and the spirit and the soul. Sincere love, genuine love, God's kind of love. Ask the Lord to help you to love people like that. You want to love your spouse like, like husbands love your, love your wives as Christ loved the church, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's how you love your friends. You want to be a friend? You love them like Christ loves you. You want to learn to love even your enemies? Love them as Christ loves you. Principle number three, show love despite circumstances. Despite circumstances. Go with me please to verse eight. The Bible's going to show us all these varying circumstances. Verse eight says, through ministry, through glory and dishonor. Sometimes the ministry of, of Paul performed brought glory. People were so thankful. Other times they were, he was dishonored. Through slander and good report. Sometimes they praised him and sometimes they slandered Paul. They used social media just to slander Paul. Had they had it, they would have. That's what social media does, through slander and good report. Paul said, either way, I'm going to minister. Regarded as deceivers, yet true. He said, sometimes people see that it's the truth, but sometimes people just regard it as deception. As unknown, yet recognized. Often unknown in the world, but listen, you follow the Lord, you serve the Lord. You're famous in heaven itself. As dying, yet see, we live. Boy, we are in the land of the dying. This is the land of the dying. But God gives us life, and as long as you have life in you, use that to minister in God's name. And God will give you abundant life, a life worth living in this world, a life that impacts. And God gives everlasting life, life beyond for eternity, as being disciplined yet not killed. God disciplines us, even we're disciplined in other ways in our world, yet the Bible reminds us God does that for a purpose. He does it to our benefit. It's not because God wants bad for us, but because God wants good for us, like a godly parent. Verse 10, as grieving, yet always rejoicing. Well, I don't have to tell some of you about the circumstance of grief, do I? Some of you know that really well. In this land of the dying, you know something about grief. And yet Paul says, even when it's in times of grief and in times of rejoicing, in times when we're weeping with those who weep, in times when we're rejoicing with those who rejoice. And in all those circumstances, in all those circumstances, I want to minister. And then he says, as poor, yet enriching many. He said, I don't have much wealth, but I've got so much spiritual wealth. Not very much of the earthly, but lots of the eternal. As having nothing, yet possessing everything. Everything. Paul's saying two things here. Love is not determined by circumstances. It's not determined by circumstances. It's the difference between saying, I love you, period, and saying, I love you, if. Oh, I'll love you, if. That's how much of the world responds to love like that. That's, I'll love you, if. If you benefit me, if you bless me, if things go well, the circumstances are good. But there's a difference when you say, I love you, period. I went to a wedding not long ago. Um, one of the guys who works here at our church, was getting married to a lady, young lady he met here at our church in the young adult ministries. And man, a beautiful wedding. And Vicki and I just, you know, cried weddings and stuff. We were just watching the wedding. And you know what that, you know what that uh, groom did? You, can you imagine? He, he, he's make, he makes some vows. Do you think he said, I'm going to love you if, I promise to love you if, I promise to love you if you never get old. I promise to love you then. 
I promise to love you if you have lots of money, but I won't anymore if you don't. I promise you if your health's good. That's not what he said, is it? I mean, they just made promises to each other. They said, I just love you, and they put a, little, they put a period behind it, a period behind it. I just love you, not, not based on circumstances. Listen, that's the kind of love God shows. It's not circumstance-based, but much of our world's love is, I love you if, I love you when, and also, I, I mentioned love is not determined by circumstances, and notice well, love shines brightest in the darkest days. And there's some dark days here. Grief, dishonor, slander, but love shines brightest in those darkest days. There's something about the power of love in those kinds of circumstances, in those kinds of difficulties. I have watched many times in our church a spouse who has taken care of a sick spouse or a spouse who has lost some, maybe has some dementia and just loved them. I've watched a parent who's loved a special needs child who may not ever be able to say that they love them in response, may not be able to say their name, but I've watched that kind of love. Man, there's a power to that in the darkest days in the most difficult situations. Because so much of our world has just learned, listen, I love you for a little while, as long as something's in it for me, but the moment there's not, I'm just, man, I'm gone. I'm going to love, you know, as long as I get benefited, I'm blessed by it, I like it, it feels good, but the moment that changes, then I'm just going on, I'm just, love is over then. But when I see love, man, I tell you, there's some people in our church, and you younger folks in our church, you ought to, you ought to get to know some of those folks who have gone down long-term, down that avenue of love and have loved through hard times and difficult moments because some of you have never seen that kind of experience. You've just seen people run from problems. But when you see people, people love through problems, through difficulties, there's a power to it. Never does it shine brighter. Never does love shine brighter than in those moments. Show love despite circumstances. And as a fourth principle, would you note this? Show love through openness. And really all that Paul's been talking about has been leading to this. All of the problems and difficulties he's focusing on are to remind the church at Corinth of some responsibilities. Let's go to verse 11. We've spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide. We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. He says, I speak as to my children as a proper response. Open your heart to us. All that Paul's been speaking of is leading to this. All the sacrifice he's spoken of, the sincerity, the circumstances, he's saying it I want you to note that you show love through openness. Let's note three things about openness. Number one, openness communicates love. Openness communicates love. Paul says, we've spoken openly to you, Corinthians, and our heart's been open wide. Man, I've just been honest. We've been direct. We've expressed our affection for you. We've allowed you to see who we are. We've become vulnerable. You know, that's one reason some people never love. Because they don't, want to, they don't want the vulnerability that comes with love. The moment you love, you're vulnerable to pain and hurt and heartbreak. But love is so valuable, it's worth the pain. It's worth the heartbreak. It's so important. I have seen recently some grown men who have just longed for a father. To just express some affirmation. 
who grieve at a father who never says, I love you, or I'm proud of you, son. Some of you know that world very well. You're grown men and women who are still longing, longing for affirmation, longing for someone to say, I care, I'm proud of you, and you matter, and I love you. And there is a wound in our heart when we miss that in our earthly parents. Can I say to you parents, don't, of all the things you teach your children, man, there are many things the Bible tells us we need to teach our children. But they need to know, without doubt, you love them. They need to know that. And you need to tell them that. And you say, man, I, you know, show them by my work. I get great. Tell them. Tell them. And some of you have this wound. I've seen grown men weeping at that lack of affirmation from an earthly parent. Women who are grieving still. If I just want to be loved by my, I just want to be loved. And openness communicates love. And Paul said, I'm just, man, I just spoke openly to you, Corinthians. I just opened my heart up. I just made it as vulnerable as I could. I just told you I loved you, and I just showed you my heart, and I just opened it up. And it opened it up to being vulnerable and all the pain that can come with it. But it's worth it because love's that important. Secondly, know that openness is best when reciprocated. In verse 12, Paul said, We're not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. That's what love is made to be reciprocated. That's what makes it frustrating for Paul. He said, he said I love you, and they haven't responded well. He's been open to them, and they haven't been open with him. They've guarded their hearts. Many of you know that. You've guarded your own hearts. You've just kept it to yourself. You don't want to, be, you don't want to have your heart broken. If you've had your heart broken before, you might, you might see that danger. You don't want your heart broken again, so pretty soon your heart just gets hard. Paul's saying, no, no, no. I've opened my heart wide, and I'm not withholding my affection from you, and that's what I want from, that's what I want from you. I've given you my affection. I want that from you. Years ago, my young daughter, one of our daughters, I, she was just in the room with me, and I said to her, I just said, I love you. And she said, that's nice. I said, honey, I love you. And she said, okay. I said, honey, I love you. She said, that's good. This is why tigers eat their young, because of these various things. <laughs> and finally I said, honey, your daddy loves you. And she said what I had longed to hear. She said, I love you too. And I don't know why, but I know that. God loves you. And he expresses that love to you. And often we respond to the love that God gives to us by saying something like, you know, that's nice, okay, good, I know, I know. But God in heaven loves for us to respond to his love. He loves for us to respond to his love. And I want you to love fully, whether anyone responds or not, but what a power it is when it is reciprocated. 
And I can tell you this, God in heaven will love you. And he's loved you when you've not thought about him. And he's loved you when you've ignored him. And he's loved you when you've run from him. But oh, how he loves for you to respond back to his love. And then would you know, openness is part of the family responsibility. In verse 13, Paul says, I speak as to my children. As to my children. That's a proper response to open your hearts to us. This is a family saying, we have the same father. We got adopted into the same family. The faith is about family. The church is a family. God puts us together for a reason. I know we can fight like families if we're not careful, but God made us to love like families are to love. And so Paul just speaks to, this, to these Christians, and he said, you're, this is, you're dear to my heart. You're not just people out there. You're not just names. You are like children to me. And that's what the faith is about. It's about family. Church is about family. I, one of the reasons we emphasize small groups in our church, we emphasize life groups, is because we know the value of that. Life groups need to do at least these three things. They need to communicate. We want to tell the truth. We want to teach the Bible. We want to learn what the Bible says. We want to grapple with the text. We want to see how it applies. We communicate. But we also connect because we need each other. We need each other. And some of you may think you don't need other people. I'm telling you, you do. But other people need you as well. It's a two-way street. And God made us to connect. There's a power to that connection. But we also care. And there are times in life where there's just pain and grief and sorrow and heartbreak and difficulty and how thankful I am in those moments for, for, for people who care, people who already have been communicating the truth of God to me and already have a connection with me and who care in those deepest moments. I, I, I love it. I love seeing people who just care like that. Sometimes in those most heartbreaking moments of life, the times of grief, I'm just irrelevant because that life group's already there. And by the way, that's how it ought to be. That's how it ought to be. It ought, we ought never be just dependent upon a, a pastor. Ministries for every believer. Every believer. We ought never be just dependent upon someone on, in some position. We, every believer is a minister. Every believer is to serve. Every believer is to care. But when I see people who are weeping, just weeping with those who weep. Caring about people in a time of need and difficulty. Man. Paul said, that's just what I'm going to do. I'm just going to, it's just, here's my heart. Whether you love back or stomp on it, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to love. I'm just going to love. Because God loves me, I'm going to love. But let me tell you what. It is to our benefit together and to yours specifically, if you would just open up your heart as well. And you would love to. And you would say, I'm going to communicate, and I'm going to connect, and I'm going to care as well. And I'm going to love. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm not going to think of just myself. I'm going to think of others. I'm going to sacrifice where I need to sacrifice because it's about giving and not just about getting. And I'm going to have sincerity. It's going to be genuine and real love without hypocrisy. And it's not going to be dependent upon circumstances. I'm going to love come what may, but I'm just going to be open. I'm going to just give my heart and care and love and concern and compassion. And I'm going to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And God in heaven will use that. Will you bow with me for, for a word of prayer? And as we bow, some of you here need to be saved. You need to give your life to Christ. Christ died for you. And I want to ask you today to trust Christ as Savior. Trust Him as Savior. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and give your life to Christ and be saved.
be saved. He'll save you. And Christian, there are many of you here who know Christ as Savior. I want to ask you to love like the Lord loves. To sacrifice, to say, God, I am willing to do the hard things. I want to make my life about something beyond myself. I I want to sacrifice. I want it to be genuine. I want love to be real. I want it to be a part of who I am. I want to love like you love. I want to love despite circumstances in the good, the bad, and the ugly of life. And I'm just going to choose to love with a period at the end. God, I want to, I want to have an open heart. And if it's, if it's stomped or ignored, I'm still going to love. But Lord, would you just help me, to, help me to love like you love. And I wonder, Lord, if you wouldn't bring some other people along that journey to love as well. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you love us so evident, so demonstrated, so clear in the cross of Calvary. I want to thank you. You teach us about love. Lord, we know the danger. We're much like those Corinthians. We close our hearts. We keep everything tucked away. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want the pain. We've been hurt before, but you call us to love. And so this day, we want to say yes to love and to love like you love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.